a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast, the New York Supercross wrap up. Holy man, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to this race. And uh, we'll get started from Savachi's penalty to Marvin and Dunge to a nutty couple of semi-races to uh, Doink the Clown. We'll cover it all in this Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. FlyRacing.com. Go there. Check it out. Uh, whether it's the exact same helmet that Millsaps and Pike and Baggett and uh, Trey Kennard wear or to the snow gear, to the water um, products or anything else, FlyRacing.com's got you covered. 2017 Kinetic Mesh. Out now at your local dealer. Please go get it. Check it out. Guys wore it at Daytona, and uh, looks good. So please, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. Please check out the Steve Mathis Classics if you can on uh, on um, iTunes or or Stitcher or anything. And um, a lot of old stuff in there that you might want to listen to that uh, people keep asking me for. And been doing these pods for a number of years. So please check that out if you can. There's some really good good gold nuggets in there. All right, let's get right into this. Uh, uh, thanks to Fly Racing. For coming on, it is the New York City Supercross wrap-up. First up on the line with me, the uh, voice of motocross, the uh, voice of GNCC, the voice of Geneva Supercross, the voice of Enduro Cross, the voice of Flat Track, the Jason Wygant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So much to talk about. Uh, I, I believe, and I don't want to do, uh, and JT, I know you mentioned this, like sometimes people get caught up in the moment, but I believe like this might have been the most action-packed the most story-fold night that I can remember being in a Supercross. Maybe some crazier individual things have happened before, but the list that we have yeah. might be unrivaled at any race I remember. Yeah, the the Chad Reed takeout on Stu on the last lap or second last lap in Atlanta was big, but that was the only thing yeah. that occurred that night from my memory. That was it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we got like a dozen here. Yeah. Uh, also on the line from FlyRacing.com, two-time German Supercross champion, the Jason Wygant. Nope, that was uh, that's the voice of motocross, but that's okay. Jason Thomas. Yes. Uh, uh, but I would agree with you, not not on that Jason Wygant one in Germany. Right. Yep. Uh, can't, can't give him that. Well, uh, unless he, they were he, racing quads. Wait, he may be a racer, which we'll get to in a second. He might be <laughs> that is a, a famous ex-racer. We just can't figure out who. <laughs> Yeah, but I would agree. I would agree with Weeds that collectively, when you look at the night as a whole, never been in more action-packed race than that ever in the history of racing. And I don't care about the races I haven't been to, or before I was born, or whatever you want to bring. I'll put that up against anything you want to bring out there. <laughs> yeah, it was nutty. Um, first up, the uh, the track was was part of the issue because there were so many mistakes being made. 
and it wasn't it wasn't Seattle, JT, but it wasn't far off. It was soft and ruddy, and everywhere you looked, tons of mistakes. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a very different track than Seattle. Seattle was soft and sandy and like kind of like moon dirt almost. Um, this track was more east coast, ruddy, soft, really soft transitions. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you think about old school Supercross where the tracks were really ruddy and they couldn't really do much about it, that's kind of how this race was. And I think it's just like Seattle, it, guys were making mistakes everywhere you looked. It was just crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could watch and you, you know, the, even the guys on the podium alluded to it, you know, it wasn't about raw speed so much as it was being able to put consistent laps together and do every obstacle every lap. Well, Tomac came in with the red plate and crashed after taking the lead, finished eighth, and now Dungey has a uh, a nice lead going into Vegas, nine points going into the last round, and it's hard to see how Ryan loses this. We talked to this on the on the Fly Racing Moto Sixty show. It felt like Tomac's thing. Felt like this was just going to be you know a walk in the park for Tomac. But as we talked about, like just anything can happen, man. You just never know, and 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 it did happen. Um, first up. We'll talk about Eli. We just, I tried to text some people, tried to get some answers. I never really did. He didn't look great all day. He didn't qualify that well. Um, but he took the lead in the main event, and, and I think everybody there in the press box and everybody in the stadium thought, okay, this is it. He's going to pull away and win, and he went down. And, man, he just, he never got going. We saw nothing like Salt Lake. We saw... No urgency, mistakes. He just wasn't the same guy. So that's why I was trying to find out, like, did he hit his head? Did the bike break or bend or something, like, in the crash? But it was odd, man, to watch him struggle out there. Yeah, I went over to the Cowie truck um, late in the evening after the press conferences and everything, and uh, they were like, yeah, we, well, Mike Williams and, you know, the crew chief over there, RV's old mechanic, is like, we haven't really talked to him. You know, he just came in, and there's even less information because they did have um, WADA uh, drug testing that night, so all the riders were kind of held up for a long time. So at that point, whatever that would have been, maybe two hours after the race, they still hadn't really debriefed with them either. I mean, a ton of mistakes even after – the crash, like the crash was actually a fairly routine uh, losing the front end, but then all the other mistakes and near crashes, those are the ones that actually, to me, were actually more odd. Like you can see a guy losing the front end at any time, yeah. anywhere, even if he's feeling good. But the other stuff was like, man, just couldn't get it together. So I thought that too. I thought maybe when he fell, he didn't really get up quickly. I'm like, is something bent on the bike or yeah. what? It was, it was strange. And he was, I mean, again, it was a track where you could only go so fast on it. You couldn't go balls out. Uh, it would bite you, um, and, and he just couldn't get it going. At one point, I'm like, okay, he may get third here. He may get fourth, and then he he made a mistake before the, the, he stalled it, and, and, and after that, after the crash, and it's just he never got going, JT. Yeah, it was weird. Um, you know, he, he made that huge mistake after he crashed. on the He faced the double of the triple, mm-hmm. which was really weird. Um I thought something had to be bent, like front, like lost a front brake lever or had no rear brake or something was going on, and, and I don't know that that's true. But that's what it looked like to me. Or I kind of either thought that or maybe it hit his head and was just a little foggy and couldn't really ride right uh, because he definitely didn't look normal. Um, going back and watching it a few times over, he didn't hit his head. Uh, his head never hit the ground at all, actually. Um but if he loses this title, you know, it's, it's nine points, and, and we'll get into it could be six. You know, it could have been six very easily. If he loses this, this title by just a couple of points, 
is there any way we can, and I'm, I'm going to assume yes, but man, you really go back and look at, does the electric start make the difference? And, you know, cause I have to think if he can just pull in the clutch and hit the electric start, he gets going a lot quicker than he did. And even if he rides poorly, riding poorly, he still could have gotten fifth or sixth from where he was versus yeah. eighth. Yeah. That was something I pointed out in Seattle, like his bike, he went and went over the bars and his bike started right away. Yeah, like, first kick. Yeah, it was just one of those things, and I brought, I pointed out to him, and he's like, "Yeah, that was lucky." But uh, yeah, so man, anything can change. Uh, Josh Grant, not far enough to pull over everybody, so stop that. It was it was uh, too far ahead to pull over. He, he was he was. Yeah, it wasn't gonna happen. I'm, I'm on the fence on that. I'm on the fence. Um, I definitely don't think that Josh did anything wrong. But I, if if you're in the Eli Tomac camp, I could also see the side of them being like, "Hey, man, like he, he, he's obviously struggling. He can't make a move. Like, you know, give him give him the line." Uh, but it, there's so much. It's it's hard to make conscious decisions and understand the full scope of the situation. And and you know, for Josh, he may not even know that Eli's there. You know, um, so it's there's a lot of things you're assuming that people know and are understanding in the middle of a race. Uh, but I could definitely understand fans of Eli or, or you know, people on the Eli camp saying that you know maybe Josh should have made it easier for him. Well, watching the TV, it's the red plate pressure. Just got to him. That's what Ricky said. That's what. Yeah, could have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you can't rule it. You can't rule it out. I mean, I, <laughs> I have no other, I have no other thing to point at because he didn't ride well all day. He looked terrible uh, comparatively in practice and in his qualifying races uh to what he did in any other week over the last two months so i don't know what to point out you know i I can't say that that's what it was but there was something going on because he did not look like the same guy at any point um hey so marv moved over right to let i mean he did make a mistake but his head was on a swivel he did not make a mistake yeah he kind of (laughs) did he kind of did but i mean he did not make a mistake you know he backed it down way before then but he he went a little bit jacky janky in that corner. Now he did that on purpose. One hundred percent did that on purpose. Okay, so I'm just I'm just trying to clarify here that we're all in agreement that Marvin let Dungey win. Correct? Yes. 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 Now I'm perfectly fine with this. Uh, that's why you have a teammate. It's the second last round. Marv made a point to be like, hey, I was better today, and KTM will pay him his win bonus. I I have no doubt in that, and. So, okay, I'm perfectly fine with what happened. Why are so many people on social media not okay with this? I don't understand it. It's not like Marv T-boned Tomac and did that kind of team tactics. It's not like it's perfectly fine with what happened. And, and, and I'm okay. So I don't, why are people so angry? Cooper Webb pulled over for J-Mart like two years ago. Um, Weege, why is everybody so upset I mean, about yeah, this? Yeah, ironically, that was uh, uh, to anti-Marv. That's right, I forgot about that. <laughs> ironically, it was a title fight that Marv was involved in. Um, I think there's two things. A, you know, in a perfect world, you just want to see if two guys are battling for the title. You just want to see them settle it in the most fair way possible and not have anyone get any gifts or help from anyone else. You know, you got to do it yourself. So I think that that's probably some of it, rubbing people the wrong way, like, you shouldn't be handed things or given positions or given wins. you got to get it. Um, and second of all, um, as in all things in the world today, people usually come into any situation with their bias on one side or the other. If you're cheering for Tomac, well, obviously you're going to be super pissed about it. 
So I think the best were, if anyone's mad, it's for one of those two reasons, I would think. It's not the most fair way to win, for sure. And especially yep. if you don't want Dunge to win, then you're super pissed off because now he's winning. But it seems so, like, it, is what it, is. it seems if I go yeah. on a rough opinion, it's 70-30. This sucks, the sport's fixed, terrible, bullshit, 70-30 that way. A very, very rough estimate. And I'm just like, huh, wow, I'm, I got no problem with what happened. So I don't know. I think it's, uh, I think it's partially, too, that people don't want to be lied to because there's a uh, – there's an assumption of naivety. I don't know what the, the uh, conjugation of naive is. Uh, naivete. I think it's naive. <laughs> might be it. Yeah. Something like that. I just don't think people like, you know, I think when you go up there and you say, yeah, I just made a huge mistake, and, you know, and then Ryan gets up and says, yeah, I just was pressuring him and finally made a move. You know, like, I think that just assumes that people are, you think people are stupid, that they can't figure out what actually happened. And I don't think people like that. You know, I don't think they like that feeling of like trying to pull one over on them. Uh, but on the other side, for the for the for Ryan and Marvin, you know, there is a rule in the book that says if you fix a race or you purposely try to uh, dictate the outcome, then you know that's illegal. So they have to be really careful of that. And it looked to me, um, I was watching pretty closely that guys were reminding them of that to hey, like we have to uh, have to play this one by the book uh, when you're speaking. Um, so they're in a tough spot. They can't just come out. You know, I think most people, including me at the time, were just like, hey, just come out and say, like, you know, yeah. hey, we, we want to win the title. Ryan needs the points. You know, it's not about me tonight. It's about Ryan. And, yeah, I was riding really well, but we need to win this title at all costs. And I think everybody would have respected that. At least you have the, the you know, clarity and everyone understands what the situation is. People are still going to hate it because there are a lot of Tomac fans out there. But I think at least it's you're you're transparent in your answer and and you're not trying to you know basically fool people when they can obviously see what's going on. But at the same time, like I said, the rules are rules, and if they you know they talk too much, and then obviously you know maybe Kawasaki would have something to say about that. I mean, I, I know from talking to Kawasaki guys, they've been stoked at the lack of cooperation by KTM and Husky guys. <laughs> you know, like they've been like so they expect it. They know it. You know. Um, and I get it, JT. Like you're, you're right. I, I, I mean, I don't care what they say. I don't care what the press release says about a race team. You know, about a race race team results afterwards. I don't care about any of that. I like to talk to the riders myself, or in the case, you know, talk to people who are around them. What they say on the podium to me is means nothing. I don't care. So that doesn't upset me, and I don't see how that would upset people. Some people, of course, maybe, but. I think it was just the fact that, you know, he moved over for him, but it happens all the time. Well, like you got to understand for, for the majority of people, and I'm going to say, you know, if, if a Fox rating, you're, you're getting, say, let's say half a million people, let's say 300,000 people, just to be on the low side, uh, 80% of those people are only going to see that podium interview. They're not going to see your post-race interview. They're not going to read a Race Rex article. That's that's the only coverage they're going to get, just because they're casual fans and you know they're not as in depth as some fans are. So I think that's where the anger comes in for a lot of these people. Is that that's mm. all they're going to get? That's the only the only response they're going to hear about the race is from that TV podium interview. Weez, do you have any problem with it, with what happened and the way it went down? Um, no, I don't. And it, I guess my proof is when Marvin was challenging him, it seemed like the building. Collectively, like you could feel, I don't know, however many people are there, 40,000 people or 30,000 people. It was like you could collectively hear everybody at once saying, 
Marvin, what are you doing? <laughs> like, nobody, for as much as it pisses people off that they did this, it wasn't like anyone in the building thought that Marvin was just going to go after him and try to pass him and just win and take the points away. Yeah, like, I, everyone I, I, I was did like, not. what yeah. are you doing? Why yeah. are you doing this? Right, I did not so think to that. Me that. Right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, it's like that's how obvious the help is, that every single person was like, I'm shocked that Marvin is trying to beat him. So that's how obvious the situation uh, that he should be helping him uh, is. I think one problem that Dunch has dealt with this year, I mean, let's be honest, this is not the most noble way of winning a title in general. This, This is just another stain on it. Like, when Dunge won the last two seasons, he was dominating and everybody's giving his full credit because he was just basically kicking ass all the time. And this year, I mean, he's been he's been good, but, I mean, Eli's been better than him at most races. You know, last week he led and Tomac caught him from almost last place. Um, so I think people are just bummed on the performance. So it's it's it doesn't quite have the right taste if he ends up winning this title. And another example is the Reed situation with the Lapper situation a few weeks ago. There were. We know what Reed did was wrong, and we know that Reed did it on purpose. We already discussed this. You shouldn't do that as a lapper, and that he did do it on purpose, although Chad will never say it. But there were even then Dunge, anti-Dunge people saying, it's on Dunge, move him, get around him. You need to earn it. You need to make it happen. There's been this chorus of Dunge is not performing well enough. It doesn't have the look of a championship run where Tomac has, and I think that's already – got some people off the dunge train, and then this is just another example of that. Yeah. So that's what people get mad. That's why. Go ahead, JT. I think the one uh, thing for Marvin, and uh, the only reason I could really think of um, as to why he would possibly make a move right there is because if he follows him, which, and that was my initial reaction too, was, just follow him. Why are you making this move? Why are you doing that? Just follow him, and then nobody can, can say anything to you. But I think for Marv to, to you know, and, and this could be petty, but you got to think the difference between first and second is going to be fifty grand minimum, probably more than that when it's all said and done between gear companies and everybody involved. I would pay closer to sixty or $70,000 difference between first and second. For him – if he follows Ryan and doesn't put any pressure on him and just plays it safe, how is he ever going to make a claim to, hey, you guys got to pay me for that win because I was I could have won at any time I wanted to. But now when he makes that move, he goes to the lead, he basically leads the whole thing, and then he gives it up at the on the last lap. Now it's very obvious, and maybe that's not the smartest move professionally to do that, but now he basically has a much stronger claim to say, hey, like, all you people, like especially KTM, like you've got to pay me this bonus. Like that was my race. I handed it to you for these points. Otherwise, I mean, I I think if he just follows Dunge around, anybody involved, Ryan, KTM, whoever he's asking for that win bonus, could say, eh, you know, did you really? Could you have really won? Because it didn't really look like that. You just kind of followed. Yeah, him. but JT, in the grand scheme of things, seventy grand isn't that much for a guy like Marv if he goes to pass Dunge. And accidentally falls into him or whatever. I mean, you know, it's a little risky I move. Like I understand what you're saying, but seventy thousand dollars is seventy thousand. Oh, yeah, but it's a lot of money. It's a oh, lot of money, man. No, I, I mean, mean he, he'll get paid. He'll get paid his money. It was obvious what happened and what he did. So, um, I think it's I think it's a pride thing too. I, I think you can't discount the pride factor. Like Marvin's probably not thrilled that he has to lay up at these races right now. I can't imagine that he is because I know. 
there are other KTM riders involved in this thing that aren't thrilled about having to lay up at certain times too. So for, for Marv, when he's got a win there, I mean, these guys work hard. You know, they work, Marvin's working just as hard as Ryan during the week. And to go there and you know you're the best guy on the weekend and you have this win waiting on you, it's got to be hard. Like, it's got to be tugging at his pride to say, hey, you know, I'm Ryan's my buddy and we need this title. Like, I have to get this win away. I think part of that is pride. Like, he wants to show that he's the best guy. And when they leave there, okay, Ryan got the points and he's going to get the title. But everyone knows I was the best guy, and I don't think we can completely discount that that pride factor. Um, I also think um, it's hard to say how far back. Like we know that Tomac was way back and was struggling. I don't know what they knew at that time. Probably nothing. I mean, maybe they could glance over some other sections and not see him and assume he's way back. But I mean, we saw what Tomac did last week. So okay, they ride past him when Tomac's laying on the ground on the second lap they've got to at least wonder, oh, is he coming like he was before? So I think if you're Marvin, and in this case, Marvin's pace was just better than Dungey on this night, so he's probably like, come on, go, 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 let's go, let's go, let's go. I'll push you. I'll, okay, that's not working. Maybe I'll get around you. Maybe you can pick up on something like, let's go faster, dude, because mood if he's coming. Um, so I think backing off his pace 20% and just riding at 80% and just following Dunge probably seemed a little scary on the, you know, yeah. 12 minutes to go. Yeah, people can stop tweeting me. Uh, Frankie's pit board. It says Ryan. I, I, I'm good with with. He could have wrote anything on there. Caddy Wampus. I saw what Marvin was doing. I saw him look around. I saw him slow down. I don't need a pit board to tell me that you know the master plan was in for KTM. Um, well, I have I have, I have it on good authority too that when Marvin, if you watch closely, so Ryan jumps the finish line, wins the race, goes left to do his parade lap. Marvin goes straight into the tunnel. Yeah, I saw that. Doesn't yeah. talk to anybody. He's obviously no. not thrilled. No. So he, he pulls straight in, and I talked to people who were down there, right, as he pulled in, took his helmet off, and he's telling, like, looking around, talking to his mechanic and other people, saying, I didn't know what to do. What am I supposed to do? Should I stop? Should I pull over? I didn't know what to do, so that's what I did. He, you know, so, so there was no doubt about what his intentions were, and, and that's where I laugh, like DV saying, I, it looks like a mistake. I mean, I have so much... So much evidence of to the contrary. I just kind of laugh at it, um, but I I don't think Marvin really knew how to handle it. You know, I, he got to that point, and obviously he made the pass for whatever his motivations were to do that. But I don't think he knew exactly how to play that out. Was he supposed to hit the kill switch in a turn? You know, he, wow. obviously, he obviously kind of panicked there and jumped out of the berm and almost ran off the track. Um, but yeah, I think he was a bit confused at, as how that was supposed to play out too, to where they could actually you know have a way to play it off. We, how do they, yeah, how, I talked to DeCoster, um, and DeCoster came, um, I saw him after he was in the press conference after the race, because, again, they were shuffling the riders in and out because they had to do the WADA testing. So I interviewed him, and I said, like, do you have meetings about this team tactic stuff? And he said no. And I'm sure now anyone that just heard that is saying, oh, bullshit, yes, they did. But I think there's a chance that they didn't have a sit-down meeting with Marvin and say, if situation X happens, do this. If situation Y happens, do this. I, I would think that it was just so obvious. They didn't need to have a meeting for Marvin to know, uh, Dungeon's behind me, and I know the championship is close. I probably shouldn't beat him tonight. Like, you don't need to have a meeting. To, no, it's, it's for Marvin super to simple. That out. You, help, you help Ryan at all costs. You help Ryan, yeah. don't beat Ryan. Yeah. That's a very right. short so, conversation. Right, so when the KTM people say that we didn't have meetings and we didn't strategize this, that actually is probably true. That doesn't mean that they're not helping each other, because why do you need to even explain that to Marvin? It's obvious. 
Uh, and clearly they didn't plan it out very well if they did have a V8. So we, that's my evidence. We, we've seen this in F1 before. Uh, we've seen it in NASCAR a little bit, too. Like, Okay, so NASCAR, I don't know if it's been so blatant, like a last lap, touch the brakes thing, but they certainly draft each other. They, they talk to each other. And even enemy cars, like uh, other team cars, do help each other out. It happens in other motorsports. Like, I don't get why people are so mad. It happens in, in, in you know, remember NASCAR? I think this actually was, maybe this might be a bad example because I think the guy got fined, but somebody threw off a chunk of foam to help their teammate or something. Right? Onto well, the track? One, one example that gets brought up, there was one situation, but it was much, much worse. It's not a parallel. There was a, I mean, it ended up the team lost so much sponsorship, the team just is done now. It's gone. But they did rig where they, just, they needed a guy to make up some points, so they purposely had Clint Boyer crash to bring out a caution to tighten the field up so his teammate had a chance to get back in it. And then when they realized that they did use a, a code word, they said on the radio, does your arm itch? And then he suddenly spun the car out for no reason to cause the <laughs> caution. That was terrible. So I've had some people say, like, you, you know how bad this is. Look, that team ended up losing so much sponsorship money, they shut down. But this is not that. No. This is not that level of underhanded. Um, but I really do think that it's – it's a situational thing. I don't know if a teammate helping a teammate itself is what's getting people so mad. I think it's the way the whole season has looked. You know, why, there are just some anti-dunge people right now. Tomac's performance this year has been so thrilling. You've seen his popularity grow. I think people are really impressed with what Tomac has done. And then Dunge kind of taking it, backing into it at times, taking what he can get. I think that hasn't gone over well, and then this is another stamp of that, of like, uh, he's going to win it this way, he, you're going to end up getting caught from last last week, and then your teammate hands you win, and you're going to win the title this way. I don't think it's going over well, and I think that's part of the frustration. It's, uh, it's going to be just a, a copy of 92. When we think of 92, we, you and I, Bradshaw fans, we're like, hey, Bradshaw's a bad dude. He's so good, so good. And then you're like, yeah, Stanton won. You know, um... It was remembered as one of a big choke job by Bradshaw. He, you know, he didn't have to do much to win. Um, for whatever reasons, he didn't ride as well as he could have. Now Eli didn't choke like Bradshaw did that day because I mean Bradshaw didn't even crash. But that's how we'll remember. We'll just be like, yeah, Eli was a bad dude, and whatever. Dunge beat him on consistency, you know. Um, but I don't think it takes any either, anything away from either either guy, you know. So yeah, but it's funny. Yeah, it, it is funny. Like in the end. Who, in a championship scenario, who did the worst thing this weekend? Like, so yeah, Dunge got help from his teammate, but hey, Tomac crashed and then he had the rode lead. Bad. He had the lead. He had the lead, <laughs> and he crashed and rode bad the whole rest of the night. But the night ends almost with this stink of, oh come on, Dunge, that was terrible. But Tomac kind of got off with almost a free pass. Like, hey, th- these three points here. Uh, it's probably not going to be the final gap in yeah, the that's, series. That's my next point. Like, I, this and won't even matter, I don't, don't think. don't get ace here and don't get ace at round three and, and don't get 15 to Dallas. Like, all those races count. Like, there were plenty of opportunities to make up a few more points. So, you can't entirely put it on this. No. No. So, I mean. Well, you know, I mean, this is not the first time we've seen this stuff. You know, Cooper Webb stalled his bike on purpose at Salt Lake uh, outdoor race a few years ago to help J Mark. Um, there have been instances over the years. I mean, Team Tactics, you know, it's obviously at the forefront. It was on, you know, main network Fox, and uh, there's never been a time in the sport where there, it, there's more uh, of a spotlight put on it with social media and, and, you know, live TV and all the things we have now. But 
this is not a new it's not a new topic or a new new strategy for teams to do. Uh, I just think that was pretty blatant and uh, and hard to disguise more than more than usual. Um, I watched the highlights of the race on, online and uh, and I watched the whole thing. And so, did either one of you watch it all? I watched highlights. I almost got all the way through it before we okay, started. Okay, so apparently, yeah. my wife was telling me that uh, Ralph and Jeff were like, "There's no team tactics. There's nothing going on here." On the show, can we? Well, they did say that, but in their defense. They said that as Marvin was passing him and starting oh, to pull okay. away. Okay, yeah, and, well, then there and we go. We, yeah, right. yeah, I, yeah, and we have admitted here on this show that most of the time this season we've been surprised at the lack of team tactics. So I think their evidence was, was solid okay. at that point. Yeah, I just wanted yeah. to see what they said at the end, if that's what something they said at the end, because it's like, you, as you owe it to the viewer to be like, I don't know, Ralph, or I don't know, Jeff. You know, like you need to like look around and be, at Marvin moving his head around and the pit board and slowing down, you know, and be and bring that up to the viewer. Maybe uh, you don't know for sure, so maybe you don't stamp it, but you need to bring that up. I, I'll watch well, it. Well, I would have think certainly I would have brought it up for the drama factor yes. because everyone yes. in that building, like I said, also the press box, and I'm sure every fan watching those last few laps, you're like, what is going to happen? This is crazy. Is Marvin really going to win? Like yeah. that was actually kind of exciting to watch that unfold. Like, what is he going to do? Uh, that would, I think, been a pretty good thing to, to kind of tease. Like, is he going to move over or not? So I think one of the most vocal people of this whole deal has been Ricky Carmichael. He's just kind of been laughing at it because of the the skepticism from some. He's he's been very outspoken about you know case closed. There's no doubt about it. It was obviously what we all saw. So, um, you know, I don't know where that falls into uh, verification, but to me, it's it's open and shut. I mean, I never had a doubt what was going on, and no one could ever convince me, no matter what. I don't care who was talking to me. If all three, Marvin, Ryan, and Roger Costa, in front of me, with their hands on the Bible, telling me that it wasn't, that would not change anything about what I just saw. Um, but I thought it was interesting with you know just how outspoken Carmichael was about it. And he's usually pretty quiet on stuff like that, but he was definitely not scared. Um, all right, let's get to 250 controversy now, if we can, or, or anything else about this situation to talk about. Uh, I think it's interesting. You know, typically, you know, if with nine points, it's going to be really tough. I oh, think yeah. for, for Eli. Yeah, but I think you know to make it even impossible now, as you look at last night. KTM and Husky, I'm going to call them one corporation. And I know that's probably not fair, but it's just how it is. So you look at the results last night, and they had one, two, three, four, and five in the top five. Yeah. Under that one umbrella. So how does UI beat that? You know? Well, we, co- we, co- we covered this last night when you did not come out, when you were being lame, and we went out, Wygan and I. Like, I, was, I was doing show prep. Oh, okay. Like, Wygan and I were talking about it, JT. You're absolutely right, because – are you telling me Brayden and Mookie and Barsha and Dino, or not even Dino, sorry, and Chad are just going to, like, help out Eli, like, get in between there? They haven't well, done it all year. I'm not going to say help out. I'm no. just going to say be able to be done straight up. Oh, I mean, like, help out, yeah, by beating these guys. Like, are you t- yeah. you telling me they're all, look at this, it's it's Tomac, it's Reed, it's Barsha, it's Stewart. Like, like yeah. it's not going to happen. I mean, for, for, for Dunge, or for Eli, it's, it's, you look at what you actually have to have happen, and, and it's either oh, a big yeah. crash or a DNF. Yeah. Those are your two options because with the guys that he has on his side, he doesn't have to ride that well. Folks, he can have an average, mediocre race and fo- still get the, the points he needs. Folks, Muscan, Anderson, Millsaps, and Baggett, 
They got nothing for Reed and Barsha and Grant. Like, it's not going to happen. It's not. We've watched 16 rounds. Like, yeah, it ain't going to happen. So Yeah, to try to do the math and figure out whatever dungeon you have to get. I don't even know. I think fifth, fifth. or something. Yeah, I think fifth. Yeah, fifth. Yeah. Yeah. To try to figure, to try to name second, third, fourth place non-KTM or Husky riders yeah. in that position is very difficult. Yeah, no, to for come sure. Up with. Maybe Sealy, Cooper Webb. Reed, I guess if they go by points, would be the guys. I, and That's tough. I, I love how they want to keep it separate. KTM gets really bent out of shape when you call yeah, the, the you know. Do. And Dunge yeah. last night goes, yeah, good night for Husqvarna. <laughs> good night for Husqvarna. Yeah. That's what Dunge said on in the press the, conference. The, I mean, really, the only the only scenario that could possibly happen would be LA Coliseum '92. That's the only. I mean, Bradshaw rode the worst he rode all year. And that's what would happen to have, have to happen for Dunge. He would have to have a ride so out of character, yeah. much like what we saw from Eli this Saturday, where it's not even a chance. Because if he even rides even close to what he's capable of, then this is a done deal. Yep. Uh, what happened to Millsap? Did he crash, or did Anderson just yard him that bad? He had a, he had a really big, well, a really close call. Okay. Uh, almost endowed in the rhythm really bad. And he, yeah. Kind he had of, he third on lock. Up a little bit. Okay. Yeah, he did. He did. And and yeah. I was in the suite with Forrest. And obviously we were all, you know, nervous about him staying in third. But there was a, there was a little bit of calm there because he had such a gap and he was riding so well. Yeah. And, and then when he had that close call, then everything started coming apart pretty quickly. Um, he still put some good laps together after that, but it was kind of the – the breaking point to where he gave up a bunch of time and Anderson kind of got the scent a little bit. Mm-hmm. Everything changed. Uh, all right, move to 250 class. So, why again? Zach Osborne was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, it's so much stuff happened, and also the definition of clutch ride got obliterated by Tomac last week. Now it's like if you don't come from 21st to first, you ain't nothing because <laughs> we saw it was possible. But if we didn't have the Tomac standard um, in our minds as that 250 main event was going on, I mean, that would be – that would go down as one of the – I mean, he came from 10th to 1st, and as you pointed out in the first lap, every one of the fast dudes was in front of him. You know, they didn't – it wasn't like he started 10th, but Savage started 11th. He had to catch and pass all of them, and it wasn't even that hard. I mean, he caught up with plenty of time to spare. It was – Yeah. He's been good all year, and we've said consistently that he's been the fastest guy in general. But that was an even bigger gap, I think, than he's had at any point this year. It was amazing. Yeah. I said that last week. I'm like, look, Osmond's been the fastest guy in this class, and I got a little flack for it from one of the teams. And I'm like, well, well okay. Of course. And I'm just like, after the main event, I'm just like, oh, I'd like to go over there right now. And be like, oh, yeah? Yeah, how'd that comment go? Because I've been at every race, and, and so have you two guys. Well, not Jay, not you each, but um, – yeah, you know he's been the fastest guy, and he, he showed it. He was straight up plenty he, of times. He was great. He him, yes, it was incredible. Um, it was incredible. He, the line he had, the you know jumping out of the loops and going on the outside in the, the Marvin's folly yeah. that, that turn that would later become so infamous. It was the same. It reminded me a little bit of Tomac last week because JT, as you had pointed out, it really aided Tomac that he had a section where he could just pass someone every lap, so he would never get stuck behind people. And that's what Zach did. He's like, I will pass you after the finish line, or I'll pass you in this turn after the loops. So I won't get stuck at anyone's pace. And just each lap, I will pick someone off. It was You just knew it was going to happen, and no one could do anything with it. It was amazing. Yeah, it was a great ride. He did have some sketchy moments in the whoops because he would come out on the, on the taller part, you know, a little bit outside the groove. But um, yeah. it was good. It was great. It was, it was a fantastic ride. And that's what he needed to do. Like, 
Weed, you talked to him at the beginning of the day and uh, before the night show or whatever, whenever you went and talked yep. to him, and, and he's just like, yeah, I got to win. I have to win. I don't, you know, at this point, he's so far down. And for reasons we'll, well talk I about, he's that, not now. But yeah. we, we all agree, I think, that he was the fastest guy throughout most of the season, but then he had two bad races with a first-star crash, and then he was sick at St. Louis. So I said, hey, is the guy that was winning those races back? And he's like, yeah, I think so. And he was fastest in both practices, um, good in the heat race. And uh, he told me, he's like, I got to make up seven points. I got, I got to get seven points tonight, and then it's you know five next week, and that's manageable. But uh, it didn't look like he was going to get any more than three. No, but I guess that moves us on to the next topic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> once again, JT Savachi just like unforced error. Uh, well, it's just it's really weird to see. He's by himself. He looks good, and whether it was Toronto, whether it was St. Louis, whether it was um, one other Detroit. one, Detroit. Detroit. He yep. just makes a, a big mistake. I mean, he, he had second place in the bag, wrapped up. Osborne was going to win. He was going to lose three, but big deal. Um, and then he makes that mistake. Um, and that's odd to see from him. But now it's becoming a pattern. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a mental error. You know, and, and when it's something that's a pattern like that, it's, it's he's losing his concentration. For some reason or another, he's having a lasting concentration. And we saw it from James Stewart many times over his career, just crashes out of nowhere for no reason at all. You know, everything's going great. You got it covered and you just make a big crash for no reason. You know, it's very, very out of character. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what to point that to, but I, I've seen it enough over the years that to know, you know, how to diagnose it. Um, you know, for me, selfishly going into Vegas, I think it's awesome. You know, I don't, I obviously feel for Joey, um, but, but to have three guys going into the last round separated by two points, I'm all in on that. I mean, I'm ready to watch some racing. Yeah. So, um, Especially com- certainly, hey, and combine it with the West, combine it with those guys. I mean, yeah, no. yeah, absolutely. It's going to be pandemonium. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can certainly empathize with Joey at the penalty being a bit harsh. Um, I would I would agree with that. Uh, you know, but it is what it is, and they've already appealed and it was upheld. Um, so that's it's a done deal. So uh, they have to just move forward, and you know, for Joey, just as he said in his little uh, his quote about he knows what he's got to do going into Vegas. I mean, those guys, all three of them know they have to go in there and beat the other guy. That's all. All it comes down to. We were sitting next to each other in a press box, and and I mean, I I, can't, I must have said it three times. I don't know why you would do that if you're Joey. I don't know why you'd be like, hey, my bike's facing this way, the next lane over. I'm just gonna just go. Like, I don't know, man. Hey, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. Yeah, I mean, we it's it's we just question, but I, I'll jump in. We just done. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just gonna say, in, in that scenario right there, you're you're full panic. It, it start with that's your first reaction is he's he's in a panic because he's crashing and he knows the points are slipping away and guys are going by, so his bike's facing the wrong direction. And there's that instant thought of, okay, I'm just going to go here, and how bad can it possibly be? Okay, maybe I'm going to lose a, a spot or two, but if I turn around and I climb back on the track and I go back down this straightaway again, I'm screwed. So I would assume, and, and no one knows but Joey, but I would assume he's thinking in that moment that I, this is my best move right here. I yeah. go this way, no, maybe I'll lose a spot or two. It's not his best move. It's best it, chance. you got to know that this is going to be a big penalty. This yeah, is going to be a penalty. Did you really think it's going to be five spots? No, I did not. No, right. no, and that's, no. that's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying is I think in that moment you're thinking there's no way I'm going to get a five-spot penalty here. So, 
I don't want to um, lose all these spots and go back to, you know, eighth or ninth or whatever position I'm going to be in. This, so I'm just going to go. This AMA and FIM, like these guys, and I talked to John Gallagher after the race. Um, you know, he, he gave me a logical explanation and everything, but they're all over the map, man. Like five spots, no seconds or anything. You know what I mean? None of that. Like this is, and I get why John applied the penalty. I get it, but we've seen it so many times in the past where it's a second penalty or, you know, the infamous, uh, St. Louis supercross, uh, RV jumping on the, uh, on the, 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 the lights, the, the jumping on the red cross yeah. with the lights out. We've seen it. I can, I can point. Totally, uh, the Chad Reed and Cooper Webb. Wait, the Webb, yeah, Webb did it right earlier this year with Pike. Webb and Pike did it at a race, and they just go, okay, yeah, you're gonna lose some seconds. Like five spots. This was the letter of the law, though, right? Like this was they it's applied like, the yeah, rules. Matt, yeah. you're comparing Matt, Matt, this, you're comparing jumping on a red cross or the red lights on to getting back on a track, which is not the same. No, but I've thing. seen or I've seen guys get book, it, it, yeah I've seen guys jump on the track yeah. though and get penalized just a few seconds. Right, it has happened. I have no issue with it because first of all, I mean I've you know in in some of the other events that I've been involved in, like I know how these penalties work. I, I know the general law says you have to make the penalty harsh because you can't let the rider in that situation. Like like JT's kind of saying about Savachi, you have to make the penalty so harsh that hmm. Maybe I'm better off taking the penalty. You cannot make that a logical option. You have to make the penalty so hard where it's like, if you think that the, the cheap way is going to actually be better, we have to make it obvious that that's never the option you should take. So it's an easy way to do that here where they're like, we figure out how many positions you gained, and we're going to penalize you one more than that. So do not ever think that the smart way is to not get back on the track because the penalty will be harsh enough to deter that. So I, I, I get all that. And, Dude, I mean, yeah, we must have said five times. Why would you think that was okay? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I don't. Do you think I don't really. I don't, I don't, that's why I don't. I don't really buy JT's. I mean, it makes sense what you're saying, JT. I just don't buy it well, as, a, as a guy. Part, that's, that's the panic part. Yeah, no, but the panic part I get. But you still, okay. We just had an instance, and we'll talk about it, where Ronnie Stewart got punted, and yeah, his bike wasn't facing the wrong way. But Ronnie took a long time to get going, including riding the whoops backwards. Like, you know, you see this kind of stuff with guys that don't lose their minds when they go off the track. They simply ride down the track and in the middle on the concrete and do what they can to get in. It happens a, a, a few, you know, maybe a, every every supercross. And no one, they're all in a panic too. They're all, you know, they're freaking out too. And they all have the sense in their head to be like, like, that's a lot of track. We timed it at seven seconds. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot I mean, for, of the track for John for Gallagher. You know, he's in a tough spot because if he if Jordan or I'm sorry if uh, Joey gets back on the track where he went off, all those guys had gone by Christian, Cincerillo, those guys had all gone by Jordan. Yeah, he would have pulled in right behind Christian, I think. Christian Craig. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's a lot of spots, um, and you know, it's black and white. There's no arguing what he did or didn't do, and then there's an actual rule for this. So John's in a tough spot. He basically, you know, I think that's why the appeal was, you know, heard and, and shut down so quickly was that it was really open and shut. There was a rule in place. It was very black and white what he did, and they had to uphold that rule. So I'm not saying I, I agree with you. There's a lot of gray in this stuff, and it seems like they just kind of rule how they feel like at the time. But in this one, when there's an actual protest on file and there's a rule and it's pretty black and white, I don't think they had a lot of room to really interpret it any other way. 
Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on RacerX. I want to talk to you a little bit about Race Tech. The folks at Race Tech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PulpMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right. If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Race Tech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Race Tech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now. Valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulp Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Hi, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hit a motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX Show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet... You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows, they might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. Bad night for Kawasaki. Bad night for yeah. Kawasaki. Holy yeah, smokes. Um, yeah. Yeah, gnarly. I think um, the one argument that, that the Pro Circuit was going to try to run was the only non-black and white thing you could potentially try to exploit here is, you know, you got to get back on the track in an area as, as safely as possible or the most, your first safe opening. And I think the argument they would run is, for him to try to get back on the track in that rhythm lane or climb back onto the tabletop that he crashed on, I believe they would argue, well, see, that was actually an unsafe area to enter the track. He, this, was, this was his best, safest. Uh, this was the first safe way to get back on the track, which is ridiculous because he yeah. skipped half yeah. of two rhythm lanes. But I believe that's the argument we, they would we, run. We just saw, man, I've been trying to rack my brain here. Like, I want to say it was J-Mart or A-Mart. They went 
down the center of a rhythm lane, didn't hit a jump, kind of braked and stuck inside the inside corner, lost some spots, and nothing happened. And they missed all the jumps in the rhythm, but they were, you know, trying to get in at the first opening of the tough blocks, and it was all cool. They lost more time than they made up, even though they skipped the whole lane. And like, well, there's the difference. You know, I mean, he gained a ton of well, gotta, yeah, yeah, lose, No, I know. No, no, no. He didn't even lose any spots because of his crash. That's that's the part that is you can't overlook. Yeah. Is that he crashed, went off the track, threw another lane, and he didn't even lose any spots. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So something's up when that happens. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it's a uh, big turn of events for sure. Uh, Ferrandez got second. Jordan Smith got third. Adam fourth. Christian Craig fifth. Um, yeah, man. But like, I don't know how this thing's gonna go down in Vegas. I don't know who's gonna win. Osborne, we just finished saying is the fastest guy, but who knows what's gonna happen? But talk. Joey's gonna lay awake at night if he does not win this, looking at these crashes and these points thrown away and this bad decision, and go, what? What was I thinking? Yeah, and, and and let me be clear. I, I think the penalty is harsh. I don't know, in the spirit of the rule when it was written, if you know this exact scenario was really ever thought about um, when it was over. And I'm, you know, I know your your opinion at the time was they won't do anything. I was more of the opinion they'll do, you know, five to eight seconds or a couple spots. I did not see, nor do I think that five spots was really appropriate. Um, I don't think that's what he would have lost, you know, I, I don't think in any way, shape, or form, if he gets up and goes back on the track and rides the rest of the main event in, the, in a fashion that he got third place in, that he gets eighth place. In no yeah. way do I nah, ever think that. I just possible. thought they were going to take some seconds off and maybe he loses a spot or finishes yeah, right so, in front of Joey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Two yeah. to three spots max. Yeah. I, I really do. And I yeah. think that's a, that would have been appropriate for the, you know, that would have fit the crime. Uh, I think five spots a little harsh, yeah. but yeah, it is what it is. We don't um, have we're we're not in a place to make that call. This Ferrandez guy, yeah, but again, I know the philosophy behind that. The reason they do that is again, when you have that split second decision of should I or shouldn't I, you have to make the penalty so harsh that you would never consider the the cheating option. Like, right, they're trying to set a doctrine. Basically. I'm going to lose. Right, if the option is I'm going to lose three positions one way. Or I'm going to get penalized three positions. Eh, maybe I'll try it and see if I can get away with it. You can't. Yeah, but that weed, you have to be like, weed, if I you're, try this, you're, I'm going to get hammered. You're forgetting that. And again, I don't remember, but this shit has happened before. Guys have cut a lane off before, you know, gotten squirrely and, and just made a right turn and got back on the track, and nothing like this has happened. But, like, like the part you're missing, Steve. Now, I, can't, now I cannot remember but any there was of these, a, so there I, was you an know. official protest by a manufacturer that's the part that i don't think happens all the time is a and a, another manufacturer doesn't file a formal protest where they have to actually go by the letter of the rule i don't remember someone gaining three positions by doing that either wow it's a pretty big difference Apparently, going off the track and getting on and not gaining time i'd like or to keeping the same amount of time i'd like to get a lit pro on jeff alessi and the whoops from a few years ago i right. feel like he gained well, quite a bit of time but but you you understand my point, yes, though, right? Like yes, most yes. of these times are not protested, right. so it's just like ah, whatever. Like it wasn't a big deal. Um, if I was you know Tyler Keefe or or Bobby Hewitt, I could not run over there fast enough after the race to be like, yes, here is my protest. This oh, is of course, <laughs> big. Yeah. I mean, this is title. Everything matters. Obviously, we learned that in the four fifty class. Every you know, title's all that matters for these guys. Uh, Weeged, uh, this Ferrandis guy is getting the hang of this thing. Doing well lately. Will Hahn. Working the magic over there at Star Yamaha. He's he's riding well. Yeah, he really is. I, I was very much on the fence when they signed him, and there's been a lot of hype on Fernandez for a while. Um, there were a couple of years where 
he was either saying or people were saying he is signed with Pro Circuit. He will be here in the no, United he, States. And he gave an interview that said, I'm going to ride GPs this year and I will be at Pro Circuit the next year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And it just didn't happen. But I, he did get hurt a lot. So maybe that at one point was an option and that maybe it was just the injury or maybe he was just making that up. I don't know. But because of that stuff and how many we can run through a huge list right now of the Euro guys that come over for every Chad Reed that comes over from DPs and does well or Marvin Wiescan, there's five that don't. So yeah. I'm always in the show me stage with any yeah. of these guys. Yeah, me too. Um, but he's right but I'm impressed. Yep. I'm really impressed. Yeah. Um, all right, so at some point in the these semi races, like we got to talk about these. This is, I mean, <laughs> it was it was amazing. It was so good, and you know, there's talk about just running the mains next year and, and dumping these qualifying races, and and I get that, and I'm always beating the drum for change, but good God, you couldn't beat it this weekend. These guys were just clown shows, and I mean that in a, in a nice way. There was stuff happening, but for these privateers, every, everywhere you look. You know what was awesome is that uh, Kenneth Feld and his family or, or whoever, his loved ones, were, were there in attendance, which doesn't happen very often. Uh, very rarely are they at the races. So I just pictured uh, Todd Gendro and Dave Prater, who are the kind of the on-site bosses for these events, basically sitting in the suite with, with Mr. Feld and this drama is going on all night long, craziness and fans losing their minds. And, you know, Mr. Feld being like, is this what happens every week? And they're like, absolutely. This is the product we put out there for you. Does, does, does this cat and Zaro yeah. on Tedder move? Is this normal? Oh yeah. Is this crazy? Like the fans are really going nuts and there's all these crashes and like, yep, absolutely. This is what we do for you, Mr. Feld. Um, so we had the Tyler Entignap, Passing Devin Raper in the last turn with a nice move, but then collecting Raper and his bike in his in his in his own bike. I don't, I, we're gonna we're gonna have to define nice move because it was basically nah, going for the kill. I mean, I, I thought, mean, he was going for the kill. Okay, the cat's move was going for the kill. So was so was Tyler. Tyler made no move, no other move than to make full body contact, like a hockey check. Last turn in the LCQ, bro. Yeah, I'm good. Um, no, it was in the semi. Semi, yeah. But I, I'm good with it. I, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying okay. I don't know about a nice so move. I mean, were, he, he was going for the kill. He's, he's 10 feet from his first main event. Raper's leg is stuck in his bike, and it's crushing. And then Bryce Stewart rides around the outside. Uh, Alex Ray gets cleaned out by Tedder, shoots his bike off the track, and as Alex is flying <laughs> off, I think he's giving him the number one sign. Uh, we got Tedder again slamming Ronnie Stewart into another lane. Ronnie going down the whoops backwards, Weimer racing down towards him, and <laughs> and then we have AJ Canzaro, absolutely with just a pickup pass, no plan of attack on uh, on Tedder. <laughs> Tedder had three things go on, and and AJ knocked him down, and, and then Ronnie Stewart, who was at some point riding backwards, uh, makes the main event. It, it's just an insane sort of races. Well, for Ken, Ken Zaro, you know how gun-shy he has to be at the end of these races now? After the, uh, <laughs> the uh, ever raised at Clayson, That was Clayson, right. Yeah, Clayson smashing him and <laughs> then his bike slamming into the scoring tower that then the banner fell down and hit my mom. Um, yeah, all that drama. That was good times. Which which move? I just, I, just, so I just gave you all the moves. 
Which one was the nuttiest? Like, which one was the one we could? I mean, we were laughing and dying the whole time. We, oh, you were crying. Be, had to be semi. Had to be semi two with Ronnie Stewart, and then Tim still getting in. Had to be. Yes, Ronnie Stewart going backwards in the whoops. That was the first time I was it, yeah, brought the tears and Supercross. I was already <laughs> laughing at Ray and Tedder, and and then Tedder and Ronnie Stewart. When he started riding through the whoops backwards, I literally had I was laughing so hard tears were coming out, just like the emoji. And then to know that two laps later he'd end up making the main because of the unbelievable just tackle I... last turn tackle. No, that's incredible. And don't forget the 550 strong Ronnie Stewart maniacs <laughs> with their yellow shirts. Yes. We were, we were keeping an eye that. on them. We were keeping an eye because Ronnie was yeah. in qualifying spot. They cheered. They went crazy. Then they went, they were sad. And then they they exploded <laughs> up after the finish. The, 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 mani- the Ronnie Stewart maniacs. 550 people. <laughs> I was writing about this today, and I was thinking about Catanzaro got into the catnip. The candy man lost oh. a whole bag of candy, and then Dakota Cheddar, you know, drank a whole case of milk because these people had completely lost their mind. I don't know if there was a full moon on Saturday, I, but I've never seen carnage like that. I I gotta go. I know the Ronnie thing was amazing, and that was such a hard hit, and I I gotta go with the cat's pass on Tedder though because. Like, if you're AJ, what are you thinking is going to happen? Like, what pick are you? Pick up fast. What is the possible outcome of what you're doing? You, you knock him down and you pick your bike up first and you get to the finish line. You possibly break a tib fib at the same time. <laughs> like, it is. I don't know what his game plan was. Um, he blasted a tough block off. It was going so tight to the tough blocks. And then the video that Supercross Live tweeted out of Antiknap riding by with Raper's bike attached to the back and Raper's foot, just Raper's foot sitting up. And the video, the video is like catching. There's no body. Yes, there's, you cannot see his body. You just see a boot and a motorcycle being driven. It's like catch the fever, Supercross, catch the fever. Uh, it was yeah, just reduced to tears. It was incredible. It really set the tone. You know, the heat races were nothing special, but that set the tone for the rest of the evening, just being nutty. And, and I think I know I think we should, where I the think, turning point. Okay. I think we should have known right. when the Mookie and JG thing went on in the heat race that we were in for something yeah. special. Oh, that was mm-hmm. good. That was that good. was good too. You're right. Yeah. Um. That was. Textbook takeout. Textbook. That's that was like one the of the most intense takeouts I've seen all year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was so. JG. I. I mean, I guess he thinks Mookie cross jumped him. To me, Mookie just got cross rutted and made a mistake and looked over to make sure he wasn't getting killed. And then JG's like, "Okay, yeah, I'm going to tune you up." Um. It, but. And then, like, so all of this stuff, we're not even talking about Tedder blasting Alex Ray and Alex Ray's bike just getting set <laughs> off the track and Alex Ray, like, giving him the finger as he's falling off his bike. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's not even – that was nothing. That was nothing. That wasn't even top five. That wasn't even top five. No. And all this carnage. And how about Entignap, like, never making a main, and he's gunning his bike. And at some point, Raper's probably going, stop, please stop. 
He's probably screaming, please, no, I'll pay you the, the, the main event money. <laughs> and, then, and then Tyler's just like throws his hands down on his bars. It's just a dream crushed because a man is caught in the back of your bike. <laughs> it was, it was like, that's what we're saying. It was the collectively the most action-packed Supercross night yeah. in the history of the sport. Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, and to me, the turning point, you know, you know, I'm big on transfers of power. Yeah. Yeah. It all changed. Uh, just moments before all this nuttiness started to unfold, like the, the, the first semi had begun. And then a guy walks up to me in the press box. <laughs> hey, I'm Doink the Clown. <laughs> now, I don't even know, you know who Doink the Clown is. I don't yeah, know. There, there, there might be many listeners just like you who are like, I don't know what that means. So Doink the Clown was for a brief time, a couple of years in, in the 1990s when wrestling was probably at its worst point. Uh, they had an evil clown named Doink. So he would, you know, yeah, it's clown. He's going to be friendly. He's going to be fun. But he actually would like to try to hurt you. So this guy comes up and claims that he was Doink the Clown. And I don't know how he knows I'm a wrestling fan or why he's yeah, like he Yeah, like he literally just, he literally just yeah. came up to you. Uh, yeah. 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 So he wanted to talk to me, and he's like, I'm a fan of you. I'm a fan of you. And I'm like, oh, I guess he follows Moto. I guess he likes the TV, the national TV show. Or right, right. I don't yeah. know. But then we note that he starts to, and then he showed us some bizarreness. So he had the JoJo Keller. He got his... He got JoJo Keller once autographed his arm, and then he went in and got that turned into a tattoo. Uh-huh. So he has a tattoo of JoJo Keller um, autograph. He There's has, a couple others of the tats. He's, Excellent tats. He's got Bell Ray logo on his arm. Bell Ray logo. That's right. And uh, Dale Earnhardt. And Dale Earnhardt. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. And, and wait, wait. The best part was, so you're Googling Doink the Clown. You pull up an image of Doink the Clown. This is right before the semi, so I think this is, like you said, it's the transfer of power. And he goes, yes. no, that's not me. That uh, that Doink the Clown uh, got uh, a cocaine habit and got fired by WWF. I was after him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there was a point where there was like four or five Doinks at once, and he was one of the Doinks. Now, I hate to say this. I don't want to bad about the dude, but, I mean, he has wrestling moves, so I don't want to get on his bad side, but... You know, I, I, I did a lot of Doink the Clown research today. Yeah. Uh, he was very low on the depth chart of oh. how many Doinks they needed to have before oh. this guy was one of the Doinks. Oh, really? Because he wasn't, yeah. like, he wasn't yoked or anything or didn't look no. very menacing at all. No. no. But one other thing that made this interesting, so I'm trying to get as much info out of the guy as I can. When did you wrestle? And I didn't know you were the guy. I thought it was another guy. And then he says, well, when are you getting back out there? And I'm like... <laughs> in the ring and he's like no you're healing up you're getting back out there and he gestures toward the track and I'm like oh and no JT and I whisper like he thinks he's a rider <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes I'm like oh no he because he kept saying he's like don't you remember meeting me last year and I'm thinking uh, I would remember meeting Doink the Clown yes you're a massive wrestling sure. fan yes you're, you, yeah, yeah. yeah I would remember this a year ago I wouldn't have forgotten so I'm like, oh, no, he met some rider last year, and he thinks I'm him. So then I have to try to end the conversation because I don't want to have him keep asking me questions about who he thinks I am and, and what am I going to do, say, hey, I hate to tell you this, dude, but you're totally wrong. I'm not who you think I am. I don't want to embarrass him, so I'm trying to get the conversation over, and then you guys are theorizing who he thinks I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All I could think of was that he thought you were Kevin Weegem. Kevin Weegem. <laughs> Kevin Weegem. <laughs> <Yes. Kevin Wiedem. laughs> 
Kevin Weegem is what we came up with. So <laughs> Doink keeps asking me, like, when are you going to get back out there? Are you healing up? Or are we going to see you on the track again? <laughs> and I just keep saying, ah, I'm a nobody, man. I'm a nobody. I just sit up here in a press box. No, man, we need to get you back out there. No, it's like, no I don't really need to do that. <laughs> it's like... It's like you, like you love wrestling and you know this guy or you know the, the character anyways and and now he doesn't even appreciate like he thinks you're like somebody else and you're like no way yeah, I really do. What? Yeah. Well, my my favorite part of this whole thing is that you know he he goes and like everything's cool and like we're obviously laughing you know at the the identity crisis you know he thinks you're someone else but then he comes back and then he wants to Facebook friends and I'm like oh now you're screwed because where do you go from here Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's asking me right there in front of him on my computer, go friend me on Facebook right now. And I'm like, I can't because he's going to see that my name is not, it's not Kevin Windham. It's not Kevin Weegem. It's nothing. So that was a problem. So I'm trying to distract him by like getting him to just start talking about stuff. So he forgets about the Facebook thing. And then he mentions casually one other interesting factoid about his life. He used to be gay, but when Ellen DeGeneres and Rosie O'Donnell came out of the closet, being gay at that point had jumped the shark. He did not want to associate with them, and he had to switch back to being straight to not be in the same category as Ellen. And at that point, it got too far. So he, I'm like, you forced yourself to not be gay anymore. Yes. And but I don't know if he's kidding. Yeah. Was he kidding or was he serious? I, I have no clue. It's he, 50, I, I think it's – yeah, I, I took it 50-50. I'm like, I think he's kidding, but maybe but not. He was not. He was not kidding. Like, I, had, I thought he had to be kidding. But he was not He was not kidding, if that makes sense. <laughs> I, I, he seemed very serious about it. He seemed very serious. Like, I, I, there was no laughing and then, there was no smile. So I was like, you got to be kidding. Like, you have to be kidding. So, Weege, you pull up. He's a clown, so it's hard to say. You pull up. You can't, you can't be gay, and then you, just because Ellen DeGeneres and Rosie O'Donnell come out, then you switch back to hetero? Yes. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know that that's possible. So, Weege, you pull up photos. You pull these photos of Doink and Google yeah. Images, and there's 30 of them. He's like, not me, not me, 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 not me, not me, not me, yeah. not me. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm and he's like, gay, get gay, out of gay yeah. straight, now. straight, gay, gay, straight. <laughs> Maybe that was the difference. There were a couple gay doinks, a couple non-gay. And so now I'm trying to get out of the conversation to not get discovered as not whatever rider he thinks I am. But I don't know if you guys heard this at the end. He says to me, and then I was like, <laughs> like a moth to the flame. He's like, hey, uh, I'm looking at a comeback, actually, 2018. They're going to be bringing me back. They're going to bring a doink back. And, uh. You know, you talk well, you could be a manager. And then I'm like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I, I, how do I, I – now I need to start talking to him again. Like, I, I can't resist this. <laughs> so we might, we might work something out. I could come back as Doink's manager. We might work this out if he accepts the friend request from some guy he doesn't actually know. Well, I guess he's gone, everybody. NASCAR ratings are plummeting. Uh, the, the motocross doesn't pay enough. Wygan is gone. He is the manager to Doink. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I cannot stress enough that he, this whole Doink the Clown thing started like minutes before the gate dropped for the first semi. Yeah. I believe there was a swirl, yeah. a transfer of power. It was unseasonably windy and warm for New York City <laughs> and, and New Jersey this time of year. There was something going on in that building. I believe Doink was the catalyst of it all. And then the entire <laughs> night just completely fell apart. Okay, so 
rank rank the semi incidents that we just talked about, including the JG Mookie thing. Like rank them. I go. I'll go. I, I said cat tether. I, that's my one. Tether Ronnie Stewart backwards on the whoops is two. Raper's leg in Hectic Naps rear wheel is three. Uh, JG Mookie is four, and Tether blasting Ray and his bike off the track is five. That's that's my ranking. That's my bottom. That's my nuttiness ranking of the, of everything that happened. Um, what do you go with, Weege? Uh I'm going with um, Ronnie Stu going backwards on whoops number one. <laughs> I'm going uh, uh, Raper being dragged in in Tyler's bike two. Okay. And I cannot. But this is unbelievable. The standard. I cannot believe that the full tackle, like Lawrence Taylor. The New York Giants Ring of Honor would have been proud of what the cat was able to do in that corner. It was a full shoulder <laughs> tackle <laughs> that somehow is only third right, on my list. Right. Yeah. Incredible. And then Ted yeah. Ray and and, and Mookie. Uh yeah, Ted Ray. Uh actually I know I'll move Grants up. The, the nuttiness of the Ray flipping him off as he's crashing is awesome, but again, that Grant takeout. I mean, that's as good as a takeout as can ever be done. You can you can only match that. You did, cannot exceed that level of takeout. Did you did you or did you not tweet right after when Grant went down that the universe got him? <laughs> did you? <laughs> yes, I did. I did because what happened? He that was it for his heat race. Also, he's yeah. riding around slow after that. Yeah, he went down the sand right after that. He just got got yep. like front universe. end. Yeah, universe. Yeah, Josh um, Grant knows. Universe will get you. Uh, JT, rank them. Uh, I'll go number one. I'll go the uh, Doink Kevin Weegem incident. Okay, that's my yeah. number one yeah. by far. <laughs> number two uh, would be uh, Ronnie blitzing the whoops backwards. Uh huh. Fan- fantastic style he had hitting those whoops backwards. Um, three. Hey, what's probably the best we've seen Ronnie's do. Hit a set of whoops. I think. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was impressive. Hey, wait. Can you imagine if you? If you strap the heart rate monitor to his Ronnie Stewart gang up in the stands, the emotional highs and lows of that race for, for a fan of Ronnie Stewart. Well, what if he had a heart rate monitor on him? I mean, he's going to the whoops and Weimer is coming at him. And I would kill for him to have had a GoPro on. Oh, I know. Huh? Yeah. That would have been great. Okay, so, all right, so that's number two. Yep, three, I will go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with the, the Tyler Devin getting raped scenario. Yeah. Um, and and by the way, JT, did you hear Wygant? It was pretty quiet in the press box, and Wygant just yells out like he's the wrestler in him because Doinky just met Doinky's gonna be his manager. We just yelling, he raped him, he raped him. Chase Stallo's like Chase Stallo's like, hey Weege, like shh. I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't resist. I mean, I literally saw him getting sucked into the rear wheel of Anagot's bike, Anagot's wide open, and this is this took him forever. I mean, this is like a 30 seconds of dragging, and I'm like, I can't. I, think, I have to use it. I have to use his material. It's been presented. <laughs> I think what put it over the top to get him onto the podium was at the end of this, when, when Tyler finally realized that he wasn't getting out of this thing, he just raises his head yes. to the sky. Like, whoa! <laughs> nah, he's like, he's been, like nah. he's been cursed by the God. For sure, he didn't. He just yelled, bro! <laughs> I got a guy in my bag of my bike! <laughs> 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 
<laughs> so, and then I would say uh, number four would be Dakota Tedder's night in general uh, <laughs> because he was basically like a demolition derby out there. How about, how about him before the LCQ going to chat with Gallagher? Like, what do you think yep. he was saying? Uh, John, yes, I have a few issues with what just happened out there. <laughs> John telling him it all ends with me. <laughs> John, I would like to raise your attention to the fact that Canzaro just launched his bike like a Sidewinder missile into the side of me. Where do we, we get to the rankings, or you got more? Uh, it, I don't think we. I, think, I don't think we got through all of them. There's that many. A Ray Tedder, JT. Uh, I would say I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm going to go with Marv 5 because I still don't know what the hell he was doing out there. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Just made a mistake. Poor Marv. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Decided he was going to pass the uh, points guy that he just signed a, a contract with his new team on. Best friend. I'm going to pass him and uh, put this points thing in jeopardy. And then the last lap, I'm just going to blow myself off the track and then cause this huge controversy. Last night at the hangout that JT did not come to yeah. in New York City, we were discussing uh, our guy Chase Dallow, my, my right-hand man on the website. He, he's proposing we write a story this week where we just total straight face, just say, how about Dunge, one of the all-time clutch performances, <laughs> last lap, <laughs> digging down deep, making the pass, making it happen, clawing for those you, three points. You just you could never write that because people would just lose their minds. It just, Let's put it in the mag. Work. We should do it for the mag. Uh, yes. Yep. That is fourth that is like Joe Montana fourth quarter in the Super Bowl. Uh make it. It's it's funny. It's so obvious that not a single person said, Oh, I'm gutted for Marv to have the win in hand and blow it like that. No yeah. one thought that. Yeah, yeah. And no one gave Dungey credit for like, man, making the pass in the last time. Everybody knows the fix was in. Uh, JT, what exactly was the two, two doing out there? Uh, he was struggling, struggling with, uh, what he struggled with every soft track all year. If you go back and look at Oakland, um, yeah, Seattle. Basically, any track where it's been soft, where he doesn't feel like the bike works for his setup, he's, he's struggled. And we saw that again last night. I mean, it was pretty pretty easy to see. He rode, he rode Presley on Thursday, uh, and I had dinner with him on Thursday night, and he was basically like, yeah, this is going to be a rough one. So he kind of already knew what was going to happen. The interesting thing about that, though, is that he's, you know, Cooper's kind of in the opposite. When it's soft, he's done really well. Um but in talking to Chad and, and that team, their setups are completely polar opposite, so they really can't even help each other. Yeah. You know, they're they're feeling different things, and the bike's working totally different, so they're getting completely different feedback when they get on soft track. Uh, he really put up a fight with Tomac, huh, Weege, the 22. He's just <laughs> grabbing tear-offs. Just. Yeah. I, that wasn't, there wasn't as much um, controversy as I thought there. I mean, it was a little bizarre. You know, you're like, man, how many guys can Tomac get? And, oh. Tomac was like a couple bike lines behind him after the finish line jump and then across the start stretch. And then Chad just goes outside, gets off the gas, and then just starts ripping tear offs. And I'm like, man. <laughs> like, no. And this was not a lapper. Like, this was, they were battling four positions. This was for like ninth place or something. Um, but I watch him lead more after that, and I'm like, no, that's pretty much the way he's riding the whole main event here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought. He, there were several almost stopped in the first turn, ripped some tear-offs in frustration. Yeah, not going well, for sure. Um, 
Webb didn't have a good night either. He was riding around the outside of the track, passing dudes, going to the mechanics area. Well, he had some bike problems. Oh, I know. He, yeah, uh, yeah, he pulled off the track. His bike was, I think it looked like a rear brake to me, but I couldn't really tell. But he definitely had a bike bike problem. Um, <laughs> we found- that was, we were in such a laughing mood because of yeah. our semis. Yeah. And then, yeah, our buddy Dan Truman's like, can somebody tell me what Webb's doing? <laughs> he did, like, the entire lap of, like, the entire stadium. I'm just cruising around the outside. <laughs> yeah, on the outside <laughs> of it, yeah. But when he got back on the track, time. he was going really fast when he got back on the track, though. That was that was the weird thing. Yeah, he got the 14th, and he was a lap down. But. Yeah. I think he was two yeah. laps down, but his pace was really good. Like, he was right behind Tomac for a really long time. Not that Tomac was uh, riding really well, but uh, it was much better than 14th. Pellegrini got parked, too. Who did that? Uh, I want to say Tedder. A Tedder got him? Cause I, I yelled, think so. I'm just going to blame Tedder for everything. <laughs> I yelled, these colors don't run! <laughs> That's right. He did. That's right. Same corner. I'm such a jerk. I just felt like oh. I just felt like yelling was that out. Tedder? Was it Tedder though? I think it was Tedder. I don't know if it was Tedder. Yeah. Let's just go with Tedder. Okay. I mean, honestly, I would be having I would be having some words with Tedder if I was or with the cat if I was Tedder. Like I'd be like, bro. Like I get it. Last lap, like last turn, I get it to get make the main event. Almost anything goes, but that doesn't go. That one doesn't go. I'm sorry. It just doesn't. Well, I, if I'm the cat, I'm just like, well, dude, I was behind you, and I saw you take everybody out, so I figured you were cool. Yeah, like, yeah. I figured it was all good. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know who was good was the number 10, sixth place. Yeah, he was good all day. Yeah. He, he was fast. Yep. Yep. Number 10 was good. Which is weird because he, he seems like he struggled when it's in soft, but he definitely wasn't struggling this weekend. He told me that not doing the Nationals – is so awesome. Like he just said, no, knowing that I have, I have two races left. This was in the morning and I don't have, you know, the hell that is the nationals to come up and I got a nice summer. He's like, it, it's really nice. It's a really nice feeling. And I said, yeah, man, as long as you like can afford it, you know, in your career. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Like money wise, I'm, you know, he t- kind of told me some stuff and I'm, I'm like, yeah, then like you're great. It's awesome, <laughs> you know. So. Yeah, I think uh, Davy Coombs would like you to report to uh, MX Sports HR for those uh, comments you made. Uh, he just he was he was he was perfectly fine. Um, all right, anything else? Remember, he was actually offered Roxton's uh, yeah. bike for the summer, and yeah. he's just like, "Nah, I'm good." Yeah. Um, Dean rode well. Dean qualified well. Uh, he went down in the main at some point, I remember, but. Uh, he rode really qualified really well all day long. Dean Dean Wilson, everybody. Yeah, I, I like how he quotes somebody. Somebody tweeted to him and attached him basically. Dean starts always suck or something like that. Uh huh. And he he like quote tweeted it and said, "Yep, true dad or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty funny. At least you can own it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I hope we see some more incredible fireworks this weekend. I don't know how the New York Supercross is going to ever be topped. So, speaking of fireworks, I, I was hoping you would. Uh, What's that? I, I think if you're Kawasaki and you need, you know, now you need some crazy things to happen. You know, I think what? there's really only one thing you can do. You got to bring Doink in. You got to get Doink out to Vegas, get him a plane ticket, get him in that press box, Dude. and just hope the chaos starts to rain again. I mean, Raper and Cat and Tedder can cause some damage. We saw it. We saw it firsthand. They, they're on Cowies. They can do something. They can cause damage. Um, <laughs> what I was trying to figure out is if you're doing the clown, and, and he was not a large dude. He was like my size. Uh, right. He was not big. Doink, what is yeah. he doing against Andre the Giant? 
plus, he told me he's 58 years old and he's planning a comeback. And yeah, he's like an average size, average build, 58 year old man. And I'm like, this is a professional wrestler. I know the sport's <laughs> fake, but at least the dudes are usually pretty big. Well, I used to, I used to fly. You know, I lived in Tampa, and all the most of the wrestlers live in Tampa. And so I would be on flights with the Big Show, and I was on a flight with John Cena. And, um, I've seen Hogan at the airport. Yeah. Yep. Wow. So these these people are extremely large. I mean, over the top large. So I just don't know where Doink the Clown fits into that scenario. That that was the most puzzling thing of all of it. Well, <laughs> no, I'll say the most puzzling thing was that Stray and Gay and then back to Straight yeah. and Rosie O'Donnell and Ellen DeGeneres, all that. But next to that, it's size. Like, I don't even know how you get in the ring with those guys. Weege, the tree that Macho Man hit when he had a heart attack and died is like two minutes from Timmy's parents' house. <laughs> Yeah, another Florida, Florida, Florida connections down there. Um, I, I, I don't want to criticize Doink's physique too much because he was probably wondering the same thing about me, thinking like, yeah. this guy's a racer. <laughs> this pro racer? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, it's ironic that, that New York Supercross was so bad for Kawasaki because for so many years, Fro and Dogger and Chicken – they probably had a time in New York City for the English Town Race. Like, you know, they, used to, they probably had some serious fun times in New York City. Team Kawasaki over the years, and, and it bit them this time. So. Well, I, I, I had a feeling that whenever Giuliani, you know, quote-unquote cleaned up the city, that, you know, he was basically talking about Jim Hawley at some point in that whole scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> during the uh, – <laughs> JT and I were standing next to each other during the um, – Jake, who's the new uh, chaplain for the series, is uh, doing his uh, Bible study service on Saturday morning. And he's like, you know, a guy came up to me, and he's like, hey, I want to show you something on my phone. And he starts showing me lewd photos of a female. And I'm like, I don't need to be looking at that. And I just said, come on, Jim Holly, you really, you really don't need to be doing that with a preacher. Come on, man. You've got to know your audience, Holly. Come on, bro. Um, Leave him alone. <laughs> JT, so we went out after you didn't, and we went out, all of us Racer X people, and we were the Lower East Side. I don't know where we were. Why again? What's that called, where we were? But we were on the opposite yeah, side of Manhattan from Newark Airport. And, East Village. Okay, East Village. And we are, it's my, I, it's just 3 and 30 in the morning. I'm like, hey, we got, I got to go. Like, why again? on a flight out of Newark, so am I. And, and he's like, how are you getting back? And I'm like, I'm going to Uber. Come on, man. No way. There's a train. There's trains, man. The trains will take you. And I'm like, Weech, it's 3.30 in the morning. Like, I, I need to get back. And, uh, yes, it's going to be a rather expensive Uber ride, but I did not rent a car this weekend. And, man, I'm like, let's just split one. He's like, no, nah, dude, there's trains. It's trains. You get on the trains. <laughs> like, 3.30 in the morning. And, and Chase Dollar was like, yeah, I don't care what Uber would charge me right now. I would take an Uber back. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't even care. Like, you're going to drive me. I'm going to get in a car, a decent car. You're going to drive me right to my hotel. Like, well, I don't have to do anything. And, 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 and Wygant's like, no, nah, man. And so, we you're at Penn what Station. Was what was your total trip time and uh, the price? Total trip time was 23 minutes, and, oh. it, and it was $71. Oh. Okay. Yeah, so I went back to – you actually kept – we took the Uber to my hotel and then in New York, and then you just stayed in it. Yeah. So I got out of the car. I could have just stayed with – I would have had to run up and grab my bag, which I'm sure he would have parked on the curb for two yeah. minutes while I ran up. Yep. I yep. could have done it. Yep. And instead, I had to walk. 
I think eight blocks or so. Uh, I walked out toward the uh, new World Trade Center area and all that. Uh, at three thirty in the morning, carrying luggage by myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, Took, got my two dollar or five dollar and fifty cent Metro card. Took the train to Penn Station. Then you have to get on a New Jersey transit train to get into New Jersey. Then you have to get on a train in New Jersey to get to the airport. Then the airport has a train to get like from terminal to terminal. So I had to take four trains. And yeah, from three thirty, three thirty in the morning. My flight was at six thirty. I barely made it. I got to the airport at 5.58. I'm like, and my flight is boarding in three minutes. It took me basically almost the entire three hours that I had before my flight. It took me three hours. And I, I, slept, I slept for 40 minutes before, you know, I, I, I went to my room. I showered again. I showered before I went out, but I showered again. Slept for 40 minutes, got up, got a airport shuttle to the, to the thing and made it to my gate and, this, but Weege, why didn't you just jump in? Like, why didn't we think of that? I don't understand. Well, I'm honestly part of the the real. Well, okay, we know one of the main reasons. I spent seventeen dollars. You spent seventy one. So that's a. That's always Exhibit A. B. That's part of the New York experience to me. You got to ride these subway trains at four thirty in the morning. Riding a subway train at four thirty in the morning in New York City is something unlike any other place you could. Uh, <laughs> well, they don't even have them. And they wouldn't have them going at four thirty, and they definitely didn't have those people in them. Um, <laughs> I and just, by the way, like my my phone was dying, and uh, I'm like, well, the only way I can charge my phone is to take out my laptop. So there I am on my Mac laptop charging my iPhone in the subway at four thirty in the morning. <laughs> but but you, the rule I tell anyone about New York City, like no one, people do not keep to themselves in the way they do it in New York City or anywhere else. No one even looks at you. No one even glances. They couldn't care less. There's nothing you could do in New York City to draw attention to yourself. Nobody cares. So, oddly, I never felt threatened or worried for one second during this arduous three-hour journey. JT, you're with me, though, right? You're you're on my side. Just grab the Uber. Oh, every time, yes. no matter what. Right. Yeah, 20 minutes versus two and a half hours, you could have doubled it, and I don't even blink. <laughs> That's what Chase said. I said, I don't care if it's $100. Chase goes, I don't care if it's 200 <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, I <laughs> I, I when I'm tired, there is nothing else that matters at that point. <laughs> Why, well, yeah, just getting oh. it, it's just terrible between uh, no condition. Well, ask, I mean, I was in no condition. Ask Doink to uh, <laughs> ask Doink to front you some some money or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody, uh, fly racing, flyracing.com. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been an eventful. New York Supercross wrap-up, for sure. Uh, Jason Thomas, Jason Wygant, thanks, boys, and uh, we'll talk soon. See ya. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. 
we get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey,